Sargasso of Lost Starships, Chapter 3. Donovan hadn't found the switch before the door was open and light spilled in from the hallway floor tubes. Cold white light, a shaft of it picking out Watcher's monstrous form and throwing grotesque shadows on the walls. Commander Yensky was there, in full uniform, and Ensign Jean Scoresby, her aide. The younger girl's face was white, her eyes enormous, but Yansky wore grimness like an armor. All right, Donovan, she said. You've had your binge, and now the trouble is starting. You didn't say they were voices. It could be anything, he answered, climbing out of the bunk and steadying himself with one hand. His head swam a little. The corners of the room were thick with shadow. Pass, baseman. Turn home, human. Delusions. The man laughed unpleasantly. His face was pale and gaunt, unshaven in the bleak radiance. And you start going crazy. I imagine you always hear voices. There was contempt in the grey eyes that raked him. Donovan, I put a technician to work on it when the noises began a few hours ago. He recorded them. They're very faint, and they seem to originate just outside the ear of anyone who hears them. But they're real enough. Radiations don't speak in human anglic with an accent such as I never heard before, not unless they carry a wave for a message. Donovan, who or what is inside the Black Nebula? The Anson's laugh jarred out again. Who or what is inside this ship? He challenged. Our great human science. There's no way of making the air vibrate by itself. Maybe there are ghosts standing invisible just beside us and whispering in our ears. We could detect nothing. No radiations, no energy fields, nothing but the sounds themselves. I refuse to believe that matter can be set in motion without some kind of physical force being applied. Yansky clapped a hand to her sidearm. You know what is waiting for us. You know how they do it. Go ahead. Hypnoprobe me. Lay me out helpless for a week. Or shoot me if you like. You'll be just as dead whatever you do. Her tones were cold and sharp. Get on your clothes and come up to the bridge. He shrugged, picked up his uniform and began to shuck his pajamas. The women looked away. Go back. You'll go back and Valdumar, he thought, with a wrenching deep inside him. Valdumar, I've returned. He stepped over to the mirror. The Anson uniform was a gesture of defiance, and it occurred to him that he should shave if he wore it in front of these Terrans. He ran the electric razor over his cheeks and chin, pulled his tunic straight and turned back. All right. They went out into the hallway. A spaceman went by on some errand. His eyes were strained wide, staring at blankness, and his lips moved. The voices were speaking to him. It's demoralizing the crew, said Yansky. It has to stop. Go ahead and stop it, jeered Donovan. Aren't you the representative of the almighty Empire of Saul? Command them in the name of his majesties to stop. The crew, I mean, she said impatiently. I've got no business being frightened by a local phenomenon. Any human would be, answered Donovan. You are, though you won't admit it. I am. We can't help ourselves. It's instinct. Instinct? Her eyes were a little surprised. Sure. Donovan halted before a viewscreen. Space blazed and roiled against the reaching darkness. Just look out there. It's the primeval night. It's the blind unknown where unimaginable inhuman powers are abroad. We're still the old half-ape, crouched over his fire, 
and trembling while the night roars around us. Our lighted, heated, metal-armored ship is still the lonely cave fire, the hearth with steel and stone laid at the door to keep out the guards. When the wild hunt breaks through and shouts at us, we must be frightened. It's the primitive fear of the dark. It's part of us. She swept on, her cloak, a scarlet wing flapping behind her. They took the elevator to the bridge. Donovan had not watched the black nebula grow over the days. Swells were a monstrous thing that blotted out half the sky. Listlessness, fringed with the cold glory of the stars. Now that the ship was entering its tenuous outer fringes, the heavens on either side were blurring and dimming, and the blackness yawned before. Even the densest nebula is a hard vacuum, but tons upon incredible tons of cosmic dust and gas reaching planetary and interstellar distances on every hand, or blot out the sky. It was like rushing into an endless, bottomless hole. The ship was falling, and falling to the pit of hell. I noticed you never looked bowards on the trip, said Yansky, though steel in her voice. Why did you lock yourself in your cabin and drink like a sponge? I was bored, he replied sullenly. You were afraid, she snapped contemptuously. You didn't dare watch the nebula growing. Something happened the last time you were here, which sucked the guts out of you. Didn't your intelligence talk to the men who were with me? Yes, of course. None of them would say more than you said. They all wanted us to come here, but blind and unprepared. Well, Mr. Donovan, we're going in. The floorplates shook under Watcher's tread. You not took the bus that way, he rumbled. Let be, Watcher, said Donovan. It doesn't matter how she talks. He looked ahead, and the old yearning came alive in him, the fear and the memory, but he had not thought that it would shiver with such a strange gladness. And, who knew, a bargain. Valduma, come back to me. Yansky's gaze on him narrowed, but her voice was suddenly low and puzzled. You're smiling, she whispered. He turned from the viewscreen, and his laugh was ragged. Maybe I'm looking forward to this visit, Helena. My name, she said stiffly is Commander Yansky. Out there, maybe. But in here there is no rank. No empire. No mission. We're all humans. Frightened little humans huddling together against the dark. Donovan's smile softened. You know, Helena, you have very beautiful eyes. The slow flush crept up her high, smooth cheeks. I want a full report of what happened to you last time, she said. Now, or you go under the probe. Wonder. It is a long way home. Spaceman. Spaceman. Your son is very far away. Why, certainly. Donovan leaned against the wall and grinned at her. Glad to. Only you won't believe me. She made no reply, but folded her arms and waited. The ship trembled with its forward thrust. Sweat beaded the forehead of the watch officer, and he glared around him. We're entering the home of all lawlessness, said Donovan. The realm of magic, the outlaw world of werebeasts and nightgangers. Can't you hear the wings outside? These ghosts are only the first sign. I'll have a plague of witches soon. Get out, she said. He shrugged. Oh, Helena, I told you you wouldn't believe me. He turned and walked slowly from the bridge. Outside was starless, lightless, infinitely black. The ship crept oared straining her detectors, groping into the blind dark while her crew went mad. Spaceman, it is too late. 
You will never find your way home again. You are a dead man on a ghost ship, and you will fall forever into the night. I saw him, Wong. I saw him down in Section 3, tall and thin and black. He laughed at me, and then there wasn't anything there. Sound of great wings beating somewhere outside the hull. Mother, can I have him? Can I have a skull to play with? Not yet, child. Soon. Soon. Wicked rain of laughter and the sound of clawed feet running. No one went alone. Spaceman First Class Gottfried and Martinez went down a starboard companionway and saw the herded black form waiting for them. Gottfried pulled out his blaster and fired. The ravening beam sprang backward and consumed him. Martinez lay mumbling in Psycho Bay. The lights went out. After an hour they flickered back on again, but men had rioted and killed each other in the dark. Commander Yansky recalled all personal weapons on the grounds that the crew could no longer be trusted with them. The men drew up a petition to get them back. When it was refused, there was muttering of revolt. Spaceman, you have wandered too far. You have wandered beyond the edge of creation, and now there is only death. The hours dragged into days, and the ship's timepieces started disagreeing. Time ceased to have meaning. Basil Donovan sat in his cabin. There was a bottle in his hand, but he tried to go slow. He was waiting. When the knock came, he leaped from his seat, and every nerve tightened up and screamed. He swore at himself. They wouldn't knock when they came for him. Go on, enter, his voice wavered. Helen Iansky stepped inside, closing the door after her. She had thinned, and there was darkness in her eyes, but she still bore herself erect. Donovan had to salute the stubborn courage that was in her. The unimaginative peasant blood, no, it was more than that. She was as intelligent as he, but there was a deep strength in that tall form, a quiet vitality which had perhaps been bred out of the families of Ansar. Sit down, he invited. He sighed and ran a hand through her dark hair. Thanks. Drink. No, not on duty. And the captain is always on duty. Well, let it go. Donovan lowered himself to the bunk beside her, resting his feet on Watcher's columnar leg. The Denarian muttered and whimpered in his sleep. What can I do for you? Her gaze was steady and grave. Then tell me the truth. About the nebula? Why should I? Give me one good reason why an Anson should care what happens to a Solarian ship. Perhaps only that we're all human beings here, that those boys have earth and rain and sunlight and wives waiting for them. And Valdumar, no, she isn't human. Fire and ice and storming madness, but not human. Too beautiful to be flesh. This trip was your idea he said defensively. Donovan, you wouldn't have played such a foul trick and made such a weak, self-righteous excuse in the old days. He looked away, feeling his cheeks hot. Well, he mumbled, why not turn around, get out of the nebula if you can, and maybe come back later with a task force, and lead them all into this trap. Our subtronics are out, you know. We can't send information back. So we'll just go on and learn a little more and then try to fight our way home. His smile was crooked. I may have been baiting you, Hannah, but if I told you everything I know, it wouldn't help. There isn't enough. Her hand fell strong and urgent on his. Tell me, then. Tell me anyway. But there is so little. There's a planet somewhere in the nebula. 
and its inhabitants with powers I don't begin to understand. But among other things, they can project themselves hyperwise, just like a spaceship, without needing engines to do it, and they have a certain control over matter and energy. The fringe stars. These beings and the nebula really have been their gods. Yes, they protected themselves, terrorized the natives for centuries, and carry home the sacrificial materials for their own use. They're doubtless responsible for all the ships around here that never came home. They don't like visitors. Donovan saw her smile and his own lips twitched. But they did, I suppose, take some prisoners to learn our language and anything else they could about us. She nodded. I'd conjectured as much. If you don't accept theories involving the supernatural, and I don't, it follows almost necessarily. If a few of them projected themselves aboard and hid somewhere, they could manipulate air molecules from a distance so as to produce the whisperings. She smiled afresh, but the hollowness was still in her. When you call it a new sort of ventriloquism, it doesn't sound nearly so bad, does it? Fiercely, the woman turned on him. And what have you to do with them? How are you so sure? I talked with one of them, he replied slowly. You might say we struck up a friendship of sorts, but I learned nothing, and the only benefit I got was escaping. I have no useful information, his voice sharpened. And that's all I have to say. Where are we going on? Her head lifted pridefully. Donovan's smile was a crooked grimace. He took her hand and lay unresisting between his fingers. Helena, he said, you've been trying to psychoanalyze me this whole trip. Maybe it's my turn now. You're not so hard as you tell yourself. I'm an officer of the Imperial Navy. The haughtiness didn't quite come off. Sure, sure, a hard-shelled career girl. Only you're also a healthy human being. Down underneath you want a home and kids and quiet green hills. Don't lie to yourself. That wouldn't be fitting to the Lady Yansky of Torgendale, would it? You went into service because it was the thing to do, and you're just a scared kid, my dear. Donovan shook his head. But a very nice-looking kid. Tears glimmered on her lashes. Stop it, she whispered desperately. Don't say it. He kissed her, a long, slow kiss with her mouth trembling under his and her body shivering ever so faintly. The second time she responded, shy as a child, hardly aware of the sudden hunger. She pulled free then, sat with eyes wide and wild, one hand lifted to her mouth. No, she said, so quietly he could scarce hear. No, not now. Suddenly she got up and almost fled. Donovan sighed. Why did I do that? To stop her inquiring too closely? Or just because she's honest and human, and Valdumar isn't? Or... Darkness swirled before his eyes. Watcher came awake and shrank against the farther wall, terror rattling in his throat. Bus, bus, she's here again. Donovan sat on stirring, elbows on knees, hands hanging empty and looking at the two who had come. Hello, Valdumar, he said. Basil, her voice sang against him, rippling, lilting, the unending sharp laughter beneath its surprise. Basil, you have come back. Uh-huh, he nodded at the other. You're Marzak, aren't you? Sit down, have a drink. Old home week. The creature from Arzon remained erect. He looked human on the outside, tall and gaunt in a black cape, which glistened with tiny points of starlight, the hood thrown back so that his red hair fell free to his shoulders. The face was long and thin, chiseled to an ultimate refinement of classical beauty, white and cold, cold as space-tempered steel, 
in spite of the smile on the pale lips, in spite of the dark mirth in the slant green eyes. One hand rested on the jeweled hilt of a sword. Balduma stood beside Morzak for an instant, and Donovan watched her with the old sick wildness rising and clamoring in him. You are the fairest thing which ever was between the stars. You are ice and flame and living fury, stronger and weaker than man, cool and sweet as a child a thousand years old. I love you. But you are not human, Valdumar. She was tall, and her grace was a lithe, rippling flow. Wind and fire and music made flesh. A burning glory of hair rushing past her black-caped shoulders, hands slim and beautiful. The strange, clean-molded face, white as polished ivory, the mouth red and laughing, the eyes long and oblique in gold-flecked green. When she spoke, it was like singing in heaven and laughter in hell. Donovan looked at her, not moving. Basil, you came back to me. He came because he had to. Mazek of Azon folded his arms, eyes smoldering in anger. Best we kill him now. Later, perhaps later, but not now. Valdumar laughed aloud. Suddenly she was in Donovan's arms. Her kisses were a rain of fire. There was thunder and darkness and dancing stars. He was aware of nothing else, not for a long, long time. She leaned back in his grasp, smiling up at him, stroking his hair with one slender hand. His cheek was bloody where she had scratched him. He looked back into her eyes. There were cat's eyes. Spit pupiled or gold and emerald without the human white. He laughed very softly. Shall I kill you now? she whispered. Or drive you mad first? Or let you go again? What would be most amusing, Basil? There is no time for your pranks, said Morzak sharply. We have to deal with this ship. It's getting dangerously close to Arzan, and we've been unable yet to break the morale and discipline of the crew. I think the only way is to wreck the ship. Wreck it on Arzan, yes. Valuma's laughter pulsed and throbbed. Bring them to their goal. Help them along even. Oh, yes, Morzak, it is a good thought. We'll need your help, said the creature man to Donovan. I take it that you're guiding them. You must encourage them to offer no resistance when we took over the controls. Our powers won't stand too long against atomic energy. Why should I help you? Donovan's tones were hoarse. What can you give me? If you live said Valduma, and can make your way to Dragobich. I might give you much. She laughed again, maniac laughter, which did not lose its music. That would be diverting. I don't know, he groaned. I don't know, I thought a bargain could be made, but now I wonder. I leave him to you, said Morzak sardonically, and vanished. Basil, whispered Valduma. Basil, I have sometimes missed you. Get out, watcher, said Blanovan. Bus, she's tumba, get out. Watcher lumbered slowly from the cabin. There were tears in his eyes. 